the optimal life. So, Ken, is college a scam? You know, I, I really think it is for some people, for sure. I mean, you know, I've always said if, if you're going to be uh, a surgeon and you want to operate on my shoulder so I can get back out on the golf course, I want you to know everything there is to know about a knife before you come at me with it. But, you know, for, for the hundreds of thousands of kids who are just going because they're following the crowd, they're following the advice of of parents and guidance counselors and, and teachers in the colleges themselves, and, and all they're getting out of it is 80000 in debt, a degree they can't use, but maybe they learn how to play beer pong. Yeah, I think they're getting scammed. I really do. How did we get there? Uh, how do we get to this place where college once was, uh, it was kind of that, that thing that if you didn't go, it was frowned upon, even though, as you point out in some of your materials, that I think uh, two-thirds of your class didn't go off to college, but, but there was a point in time, at least when I was going off to school back in the nineties, that it seemed like it was almost taboo not to go to college. How did they get, how did it get to that point where they made you feel so hopeless almost if you wanted to do anything, but go to university? It's real simple. It it was like a perfect storm. So back in the eighties, when I was in high school, you could walk down the hallway and you could look and watch somebody changing the transmission on a Mustang. You could watch somebody building a table for uh, a, a living room table on a lathe. You could watch somebody welding something, wiring an outlet, doing someone's hair, doing someone's nails, whatever, cooking. And and this this is where millions of kids accidentally discovered how cool it was to be in the trades. I mean, we couldn't all just hope that our fathers or mothers were in these trades and then we followed along with them. A lot of times you discovered that in shop class. So they took shop class out of high schools, replaced those rooms with computers. And I get it. We needed to learn computers. But why was it a binary choice? Like, why was it one versus the other? Why couldn't we have had both? Right. So you eliminated those people from finding these options. Then, you know, when I was younger, we used to run around the backyard grab some lumber and some nails and some and a hammer and go build a tree for it. Or we would go build something or, or break something and fix it again, you know? And um, kids don't do that anymore. They're, they're, they're now building whole cities on Minecraft on their cell phone. And that's, that's just not the same experience. So self-discovery started going way down. But I think the third one was the colleges got really good at infiltrating these schools and saying, if, you're, if your son or daughter doesn't have a, a college degree, they're never going to amount to anything. And you always hear him talk about it's either us or fast food restaurants. Well, that's never been true. OK, it isn't true now, and especially isn't going to be true going forward because there are many, many ways to be successful. There are many super high paying jobs that are in the blue collar side. But the stigma of not going to college is all just self-inflicted. There, there's nothing to back it up, especially when you see carpenters, plumbers, electricians, millwrights, welders making $100,000, $200,000 a year and loving life. Mm. Um, especially when you see blue collar workers have a 60% approval rating for their, their home life and their, their, their work life versus only like 30 in the mid 30s, upper 30s for white collar um, for uh, people. So- it's it's just one of those things that we just have to analyze it, look back at it, see what happened, and then make the adjustment. Yeah, I do feel like it did hit a, a tipping point. And over the recent years, it's starting to shift back towards the blue. But it did hit a tipping point where, where you know, I tell my daughters, you can go off to college. 
they're only you know they're in middle school right now so even right. even middle school and younger but i tell them if you're going to go off to college you're going to go off to either like you said become a doctor become a lawyer become something in finance or engineering where you actually need the degree as a building uh building block as a stepping stone to get to to get there um but if you're going to go for communications or you're going to go for some political science degree and rack up a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in debt what are you going to do when you get out that's a steep hole to start in versus somebody that goes right from high school into some kind of skilled trade there's no hole they're starting from zero yeah, you know, it, it's a very important thing. I, I say this to parents groups all the time. So let, let's assume you did what you just said. Let's assume you racked up 50 grand a year for four years. That's 200,000. You've got some liberal arts degree that you can never use, right? You're 200,000 in the hole. Hopefully you didn't borrow that money. And now let's compare that to someone who right now can go into the trades, make 40 or 50 or 60 or $70,000 a year right out of the gate. Four years later, they're 200 on the plus side of their asset base. That is literally a $400,000 swing by the time you're 22 years of age. Mm. That's something that you at least need to think about before we just herd all these kids into college. Again, with some of them going for no other reason, you know, 40% of them don't know why they're going. 25% of them change their degree in the first year or two. And in the end, here's this most scary stat of all. Only 35% of people that have college degrees ever use them. Mm, yeah. Think about that. And, and, and think about how the costs have, I mean, the costs of a college degree have outpaced inflation like 50 to 1. Really? So, I mean, you have to follow the money here. And I hate to say this, but, you know, colleges are... They're good, like you said, they serve good purposes for the right people, but they're also money-making institutions. They're businesses, and we can never forget that. That, that absolutely they are. That's a that's a very good stat. You have to realize you're starting in a hole. I was part of that stat that you just brought up about the 30, 40 percent. I had no clue why I was going off to college. Because my parents said I I should, because the school system said I should, because society said I should. And guess what I got for that in return? A 1.9 my first year. <laughs> yeah, so so you go off to college to learn how to drink play beer pong party do all the things you couldn't do when you were living at home and uh spend a lot of money start off in the hole and and you're not gaining any any real um any real life experience anything to prepare you what is, what's your take on uh um this what do they call it a gap year like if you are going to go off to college it doesn't make sense for people to kind of just pause and say hey Let's see how this is. Maybe just go work somewhere after high school and then figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Well, I, I have to tell you, if you don't know why you're going, before you start borrowing all this money, just pause for a second, okay? You can always go to school. I would argue that you're probably better prepared to go to college after you've had some experience in the business world. And if you think about it, you can job shop six ways from Sunday right now. Everybody is hiring everybody. So you can try different jobs, take off a year or so, look at these different opportunities, go to work for these different people, see what interests you first. And then if that does require a degree, and oh, by the way, Apple Computer hired 50% of their people two years ago without any college degree. Think about that one. Mm. If it does require a degree, then go do it. In fact, you're finding, you're finding places now, large corporations that are saying, 
you know what? I have to deprogram these kids coming out of college right now and then train them how I want them to be. Maybe I just hire people that don't have a college degree and let's start training them from the get-go exactly how I want them to operate. That's um that's free. And oh, by the way, you're making money during that training process, not spending it. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that we th- this this whole blindly following. I'll give an example. I wrote a letter to parents a couple of years ago. It was an open letter. And I said, I get it. I'm a parent. You birthed your child. You raised your child. You sheltered your child. You fed your child. You clothed them. You gave them your basic knowledge. You did all those things. And now somehow you feel that the only way you can be a successful parent is to have them with a degree hanging on the wall. That's crazy. What you really should be thinking about is, are they self-sufficient? Are they self-reliant? Are they problem solvers? Are they financially independent? Can they can they produce something in the world? Can they go out and contribute? Because that's success as a parent. And by the way, that doesn't necessarily need a piece of paper on the wall to do that. They're not mutually exclusive. So yeah, I, I just think we need to step back and go, do I really need to do this? Especially in today's environment when so many people are unwilling to work with their hands. And as you know, supply and demand says where the supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money goes. Absolutely. So you could speak from experience because as a young teenage boy at 15 years old, you were out there digging ditches. You were getting your hands dirty. You were learning how to make a living in the, the, the blue collar kind of way. But how do you then go at that young age from 15 digging ditches to ultimately turning it into a career when did you know, Ken? Hey, I kind of want to do something in this world. Do you remember when that when that dates back to? Yeah, and and you're going to find this interesting because it really had nothing to do with the digging ditches as much as it had to do with building a business where I could surround myself with entrepreneurial thinking people. I remember when I was 18, they asked me to travel the country, the country in the Midwest, opening up franchises. So I went to Chicago, Columbus, Cincinnati. Um, all over the place, Pittsburgh. And I opened franchises from zero, from scratch, and built the business, stayed there six months, and then moved on to the next one. So I learned early on that, you know what, this is kind of cool creating a team of people that surround you, and they all have uh, the same purpose, you know, moving forward to, to create a successful enterprise. At the same time, as these companies were very small, I mean, they were they were incubators, the more the company grew, the more everybody did better. So it was cool for me to say, okay, I can surround myself with a team of people. We can go out there and kick ass. And then I can share that newfound revenue with all of them. They can grow and live and get the things they want for themselves with and through my organization. And then I win in the end. So yeah, to me, it was all about creating a team and then going out and making something big happen. And how old were you at that point? Um, when I opened my company, I was 22. Okay. And was it a specific skill or was it a variety of skills at that, once you got going? For for me, it was all about, we all, I mean, we all dug ditches in the beginning, right? We all had to do what we had to do, but there was marketing and there was, um, conventions and shows and there was advertising and all those other things we needed to do. So people got put in their places and they did their thing, right chair, right person, Right. And um, we just started to grow the thing and and people settled into where what they liked. I mean, my production manager was my first employee. He's still here today, 37 years later. Mm. So, well, that we, speaks to your character. That's for sure. 
Well, and we, and you know what, thank you for saying that, but it's, you know, he loves to give me these huge bear hugs at the Christmas party every year and tell me that he owes everything to me. And I look back at him and I say, Tim, listen, man, I had 2% to do with who you are and what you've accomplished. We just have this vehicle that we built together and now we're using it to our mutual benefit. So yeah, we, we have a lot of people that have been here 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And um, it's just because they see their futures very clearly and they know that they can get what they want with and through this company. But what about the people that feel like they are extremely ambitious? The ones that feel like, hey, I want to make multiple six-figure income. Uh, I want to have the fancy cars. I want to have the boat. I want to have the jewelry. Come on, Ken. There's no possible way I could live that kind of lifestyle, digging ditches, welding frames, running a, a CNC machine. What would you say? I would say that's absolute bullshit, okay, because um, we're doing it. Uh, we have 200 employees here. There's a lot of people living a really great life here. And um, you just have to put yourself in a place where, you know, you create an opportunity, you create a company, you grow that company to a certain level, and then those things happen. Um, it, it's 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 totally available for I mean, you got to understand. I have friends that are in trucking. I have friends that are in welding. I have friends that are in electrical business and plumbing businesses. These guys are all making seven figures a year, okay? And they have a lot of people on their staffs that are supporting them and doing what they do as well. So, yeah, it, it's it's totally possible. Um, a lot of those stats that you see where they say, well, you know, if you have a college degree, you make all this money. If you have, if you don't, you don't. Well, one of the problems with, because I looked into that study, one of the problems with that study is they're lumping every part-time person into the blue collar side, paper route people, people who work part-time jobs at fast food, babysitter, they're, they're, they're lumping all of those. If you just strip out the blue collar specialized trades folks and the white collar folks, that number disappears quickly. In fact, it goes the other way. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting stat, but um, you just got to look into those numbers a little deeper. Very fascinating, uh, fascinating stuff. Give us a couple areas that you see a gap in the market where the the supply is low, but the demand is either high or is is building. Are there some trades that come to mind that young people should be considering right now? Well, first off, I mean, I just did this post yesterday where where we talk about the fact that the average salary for uh, an electrician in Ohio is is thirty three to thirty six dollars an hour. Now. If you pair that with the fact that most electricians that I know are so insanely busy, they're working 10 hours of overtime, that's $52 an hour in overtime. That's a $94,000 a year job right there. I know people that are 22 years of age making three grand a week at being an electrician. Okay. So, and the problem with electricians are for every 10 that retire, only five or six are coming online. So that's creating this supply and demand thing that's going to go on into the infinite future. You also have anything in energy, especially new energy or new forms of, of finding old energy. You have any pretty much anything that you where you work with your hands, finished carpentry and, and, and welding. And, and I talked to a pipe fitter the other day who was making $80 an hour working triple overtime on the weekends. I mean, mm. it's it's crazy the type of stuff that's out there if you just look for it. If you think, well, it's not out there, then you're right. But if you look for it, it's there. But I will give this piece of advice because I think everyone needs to hear this. You know, as long as you're winning at the life that you see for yourself, as long as you're gaining on the life that you have, the picture that you paint for yourself and the things that you want, it's not always that important exactly how you do that. I mean, I made ditch digging cool. 
even though it was number 99 on the list of 100 things that I wanted to do. So all I'm saying is go to your area in specific, find out what everybody else is not willing to do, and then invest in that. Because if there's a demand for it, you're going to make a killing doing it. Yeah, great advice. And that kind of cuts to the core of your book, Blue Collar Cash. Love your work, secure your future, and find happiness for life. That to me is really the last part of your subtitle in the book is the part that most of us struggle with. Regardless of the income, regardless of the lifestyle, regardless of the career, find happiness. How do you how do you get to, to the happiness piece? This is the greatest part about working for yourself or having a blue collar career, okay? You get to control your daily input. You get to control your output, the quality of that output. You get to control your day, your time, and your schedule. And you get to control your financial gain. And if all those things are happening, then... You know, you're not at the behest of a lot of other forces. You're 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 you, and what you create and what your team creates is what makes the, it, things happen at the end of the day. So, yeah, I I think if someone says I have all those control factors in my life, and I'm gaining on the picture that I've drawn for myself as to what I want my life to look like going forward, I think comfort, peace, and freedom is where true happiness comes from, and that's what I talk a lot about in the book. Mm, beautiful. And we linked the book here in the show notes. Talk to us a little bit about one or two of these case studies that you, you kind of mentioned here. Uh, you mentioned several different subjects and there's some videos on, on your website. Um, but but for example, Melissa, the college grad with a lot of debt and, and how you mentored her, what was her story? Her story is that she went through uh, a, a lot of different schooling and she's worked for me for 20 years now. And she doesn't use her degree in any way. <laughs> and she's gained just about everything she's ever wanted in her life because we talk a lot about visualization and drawing out your goals and planning for them specifically and mapping them out and sharing them for everyone else to see and then finishing them and going on to the next one. I mean, here's a stat that that will blow your mind. So they, they took University of Virginia Tech. They took 100 people. They put them in a room. They said, raise your hand if you have crystal clear goals. 20 people raised their hand. They dismissed the 80. They had the 20 left. They said, okay, of the 20 left, how many of you have those goals written down in a very clear, concise way? Four people raised their hand. They dismissed the 16. They said, of the four, how many of you have them in a place where you see them multiple times a day, posted on the wall, whatever? Only one person was able to, to raise their hand. So they followed those people for 10 years. The one per, that one percent guy made nine times more money in the next ten years than the rest of them. So it's not an unpowerful thing to allow your brain to attract itself to the things you want in life. You just got to get those pictures out there so that you can see them clearly multiple times a day. Mm. And what keeps you up at night? You know, I hate the way this. I hate the way this country is going. I hate the way people think that. You know, freedom is just something that happens like automatically and we don't have to fight for it. We don't have to preserve it. We can just erase our history. Um, you know, there, there, all this stuff about people's feelings and all. I mean, you know, come on. You, you want feelings? Go back and look at the people that fought the wars that made this freedom happen for us. OK, what about their feelings when they were lying in the desert in these self-dug holes as they're trying to defend our freedoms? I mean, we, we're we're, I, we're getting so soft. We just need to all 
stand up and say, okay, it's time to kick ass. It's time to put this attitude of America is a great place to be. We are blessed to have the freedoms that we have. We, we should be out there contributing to society instead of sucking off of it. It, it, it to me, it's just, it, it's time to be, you know, let's not be parasitic to our own, co- our own country. Let's support it and make big things happen. What do you attribute this uh, phenomenon to? Because our country has been in a decline. We were once the golden gold standard. And now at least it seems like we have really deteriorated and we are caught up in, and confused in things that really are meaningless or minuscule, I should say. And uh, and are, are really not focusing on, like you said, the freedom, the foundation, what we stood for, how we got here. But uh, what, what do you think has been the major cause of, of that uh, downfall? Two things. You have way too many professors in our colleges that are that have come from these extreme liberal liberal left uh, tendencies. These you know these these tendencies that aren't necessarily popular, but they can force this. You know they, they can they can dictate this stuff to our kids with no check no check on them whatsoever. That that's one of them. I, I think. I think when, when when you've got these people who who hate America and they're teaching our kids in college, I mean, come on, really? Uh, so that's one. The other thing is you got to stop giving people free stuff. I mean, you're paying people to stay home more than they would make by working. Does anybody think that's a healthy mindset? I mean, really? So the more we give people, I mean, politicians love, they've learned one thing. If I can promise you free stuff, you're going to vote for me. That is the downfall of our country because now people think they can just sit around and stare at screens all day. You got 7.2 American men, 7.2 million American men that are out of the workforce by choice. And they're averaging four to six hours a day staring at their screens, not working while somebody else supports them. All those guys need a big, firm kick in the ass, and they need to be brought back into the workforce and say, hey, it's time you it's time you contributed to society instead of just, like I said, bleeding off of it. So, yeah, I'm a little strong in that, but that's how I feel. No, oh, and I appreciate your honesty, and I know the, the audience does as well. I mean, when you look at uh, all our attention overseas in the European countries, we're spending so much of our time and energy and money over there, and it seems like neglecting a lot of the issues that we have here, the Southern border being, being one of them. How can you look people in the eye and say, I'm going to allow veterans to sleep under bridges, but I'm going to open up five-star hotels for illegal immigrants. I don't know. I don't, I don't know people in the eye and say they have no problem doing it. Well, and there, there again, there, there again is the poison that that is in some of our systems because Hey, look at I don't want anyone to suffer, but you know what? Build that wall, have the gates, have multiple checkpoints, have lots of them. Let people come in, know who they are, know why they're here, give them the opportunities. We all had that. I'm, I'm, I come from Polish immigrants, right? But we all did it the right way. We didn't just pour over the border. I mean, you're going to keep a guy like Djokovic out of the country because he doesn't want a vaccine, but yet one of the one of the most healthy athletes on the planet. And yet you're going to allow all these people to walk across the border and not even take their temperature. Really? I mean, come on, who's running the asylum here? That's a great point. We're worried about uh, transgender rights in sports and uh, vaccine mandates and, and masks. Uh, we're worried about a lot of things to 
I feel like to keep us conflicted with each other. For some reason, conflict seems to be key right now in our country. Isn't it something that you had a, a, a year ago, you had armies of mask wearers who were looking down the noses at armies of non-mask wearers, right? Yes. People, people who say, look at, I'm going to take this over-the-counter drug and be fine. No, you got to have six or seven different booster shots. And now you have heart disease and everything else that could have, could have, I say could have come from some of those things. So yes. yeah, it, it, it it's terrible. But like I said, it, I would just love to have some common sense come back to this world. It's it's so easy. It's so stressless. Everyone can just be so healthy and happy and live together and work together. And, you know, yeah, uh, that's exactly where I, I feel like we were. We were closer to that at one point than we are now. There's no doubt. There's no doubt the the, the gap has widened um, between left, right and, and in, in between. Well, you have to remember this. And I, I always question this. OK. If you hire somebody to run your district, and I'm talking about congressmen or senators, if you hire somebody to run your district and 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 35 years later, your district isn't any better than it was before, mm. they've been ripping you off, okay? They've been hoodwinking you. They've been lying to you. They've been trying to keep you down and keep them up. I mean, we have report cards for fifth graders. Why don't we have report cards for congressmen and congresswomen, right? Yes. I say if your district isn't any better in one or two terms, get out. Let somebody else do a better job. But then you find out it's their purpose. It's their purpose to keep these people down. It's their purpose to keep these people poor. It's their purpose to keep these people uneducated because that's what keeps them in power. And that, to me, is one of the sickest things I've ever heard about our government. So if they're trying to keep people uneducated, wouldn't that then – bode well though in a weird way for the blue collar type person okay keep me uneducated i'm gonna go and learn a, a skilled trade or do you mean truly like uneducated where they can't even learn the trade i'm talking about they just keep them down i mean you can you can uh, you can spin it any any different ways i mean they, they don't want people to come become too aware and too smart of the fact that they're not helping them at all you know what I'm saying? They right. don't want them to become too aware of 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 how the the sausage is made, as they say. Okay, but you know what? I look at it this way. I know a woman who's a welder who's 27 years old. Okay, who stands on top of 300 foot tall windmills welding, making 170, 150, 175 thousand a year. Okay, I say good for her because if you're going to keep other people out. Those things are going to get backfilled by somebody. And I'm, I'm saying that, you know, women are great in blue collar trades. Uh, I think I think kids from the inner city ought to start looking at blue collar trades because they can actually leapfrog some of those middle class kids who went to school and came out disappointed. Right. Mm. I mean, absolutely. Think about think about how cool it would be to pull some kid from the inner city, teach him or her plumbing and have them make six figures in the next three or four years. I mean, they can break the chain of what's been happening to them for, 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 you know, decades. I think it's a fantastic opportunity. All while being able to say uh, sleep, sleep at night, knowing that he or she doesn't owe any money to the government for any uh, FAFSA or whatever these, those federal loans were that, that will drown right. you for decades. A hundred percent right. Uh, we're getting close here, but Tony Robbins, um, 
he did make a comment about you when he said, I love Ken's perspective on our life's purpose. I'm not sure he was making the comment about what we were just kind of went on a tangent on, but, <laughs> but he You're did right. say he loves your life's purpose to share uh, our unique gift with the world. Uh, talk to us. How, how do you, what's your relationship like with Tony? How did you get him to leave you a, a testimonial for the book? So, Tony runs one of the most amazing organizations with Peter Diamandis and a few other doctors called Fountain Life. Fountain Life is a program where you look, it's it's a health forward instead of health backward looking organization. They, they talk about longevity. They talk about treating the healthy person to make them even healthier. They don't do any reactive medicine. It's mostly proactive medicines, um, things that like stem cells and exosomes and peptides and, um, a lot of these things that are on the forefront of technology. And um, I joined the organization in uh, in Florida uh, because, again, I'm 59. I want to swing as hard as I can at the golf ball, and I'm trying to keep my, all my joints. Um, I don't want to wait till they're broken to fix them. I want to keep them good now and going forward. And uh, I just love his perspective. So I contacted him and said, hey, love what you're doing with all this. And um, I'm, I'm writing a book about vision as it relates to the blue collar worker and he was he was happy to come on and uh and, and write that little thing for me so I'm, I'm grateful for him to him for that and since we're name dropping talk to us briefly about your experience on tucker carlson's show what was that like you know that was really cool i i'm most people don't realize that he has a studio in florida and it was only an hour from where i i, I have a place in florida i go to and it was only an hour from there and that's where he does his show there in and up in up in the northeast and um you know he is one of the coolest guys he's just like you and me right now we just sat there and talked and we laughed and we had a really really great time he he believes in in right and wrong. He doesn't believe in spin. He believes in like, here's the facts. Here's what they are. He's, he's a no BS guy and he challenges you. And, um, he, he, he loves, you know, things that, that support uh, again, what's normal in America, what's commonsensical in America. And, uh, I had a great time with him. We talked for an hour and a half, I think. And yeah, it was super fun. Mm. Create your own path to success. Uh, Ken Rusk is a very inspirational story here. Uh, Blue Collar Cash. We, we linked that in the show notes. Uh, where else, Ken, can people find you? Website, social media, et cetera. Yeah, I built this little course because I wanted people to understand that when you buy a book and read it, you should take action or why even bother reading it, right? So I built this little course. It's available at KenRusk.com. It's not expensive for a dinner and a movie. You can change your life. And um, it's only eight sessions. 45 minutes a session. It, it, it uh, can, you can do it in eight days or eight weeks or eight hours if you want it. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find that at KenRusk.com. And then you can also go to at KenRuskOfficial and see what we're up to on all of our socials there. Last question for you. Somebody's listening. They're 17 years old, 18 years old, maybe in their twenties, even maybe it's a parent uh, who's listening on behalf of and thinking of their children. What is your message if you have to give them the elevator speech message right now, they're not sure what they want to do with their future. They're not really sure about college. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for those folks? Uh, it's real simple. You and only you know what your favorite color is. You and only you know what your favorite pet is. You and you only you know what your favorite vacation would be. You and only you know how you'd sp spend your spare time, what sports or hobbies you'd be involved in. You're the only one that can design your house. 
You're the only one that can pick out the car that you want. So why you keep listening to everybody else? Okay. You control everything that happens to you. Don't let society tell you what you're supposed to be. You know what you're supposed to be. Sit down in a quiet place, take some time, think about it, draw it out, use crayons and cardboard if you have to, come out with that picture, and you'll know exactly what you need to do with the rest of your life. Mm, Beautifully stated. Ken Rusk, thank you so much for your time today. Great connecting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.